I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, and the best business phone service is chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva and get your business and business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit Nextiva.com slash 12-pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12-pack. To get started. For 12 Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Bader and College Football Statistical Model. We are a sharp college football podcast. That's damn right. All the numbers are done. We have the national title numbers in. And I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Bowron, who um, I'm sad. I'm sad, Rob. I'm looking back. But, you know, like as my Twitter feed starts filling up with college basketball, and I just I give zero craps outside, like, three teams right now and that'll change that'll change we're going to the Pac-12 yeah. title uh, tournament you know like I'll, I'll get in but um uh, you know shedding shedding the a tear you know as as I'm looking back on the season because we had a full actual season it's done I watched the title game and uh you know how are you sir how, how are you feeling now that it's fully in the rearview mirror I was pretty pleased. I mean, beta rank went at nearly 50% on the bowl season, even as completely bonkers as it was and two out of three on the playoff game. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite good. Um, what did you think about the playoff game? Just real fast. You know, we're, we're, we'll cover <clears throat> Pac-12 stuff, but you know, it, I, it, I was, I was disappointed, you know, because it was a rematch, but I also in the back of my mind assumed like, this will be a good game. Like those, I think the two best teams played each other and it, I, I liked it. What, what would you think about it? I mean, I was, ha- I mean, whether it was real, I mean, I was happy to see those teams get to go. I was also really happy for Georgia because they'd really been the better team all season and they had a really fluky game against Alabama, um, in a lot of ways. Right. And I, I, I'm just, I was happy that they got a shot too, cause that doesn't happen a lot in co- I mean, football, we don't play best of seven series and you can even have weird stuff <clears throat> happen in a, a sample that size. Um, but you know, like you, you, you don't always get a second shot. I was happy for Georgia that they got their second shot, you know, and and, and got to play against Bama again, and they they don't took advantage of it. Yeah, and Stetson Bennett managed to. It took him a while, but he managed to get it done. <laughs> he did. He did. You know, all that. I I understand why all of the attention is at Stetson Bennett. I get it. But hot damn that defense! Like there oh, yeah. are so many good players. Oh my gosh! And like even even if you flip it around. Um, it was the linebacker number 10 for Alabama 
And there's this one play where he rushes in on the blitz, realizes that it's like a slant pattern, and like immediately turns around and tackles the guy like 10 yards down the field in like the in like three seconds. And I just went, oh my god. I mean, it was just so fun to see elite, elite players play out of their minds and just hitting hard. And um, you know, there weren't as as many explosive plays in the game, but I was actually okay with the six to nine first half just because like, I, I, I mean, defense is fun sometimes. And I kind of knew, I just assumed the game was going to open up in the second half. So it's just nice to see both, both sides of that. Um, and then you yeah. had like the fumble and the guy that's just like casually just like, oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll pick this up. I mean, there's just yeah. <laughs> fun game all around. Well, and really too, I mean, it's a, it's a positive in that, you know, like, you know, you know, we're getting Dan Lanning. Right. Like he's coming into the Pac 12. He's likely going to be your play caller for Oregon on defense. You know, and I, again, like I, I think, you know, Oregon had already very much, you know, Mario Cristobal had been, in a lot of ways, you could say, sort of building Oregon on that Alabama, Georgia model, um, you know, of really recruiting hard all the time. And Landing's bringing that. I mean, We'll talk about the staff. I mean, he's that's that's what he's focused on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, talking about our bowl pool real fast. So we are done. Bowl season is over. So congratulations to Pasadena Bound, 25 and 12 against the spread. Woo, woo, buddy. And I am so proud of our listeners. We had four um, listeners, Bill Walton's Plug, uh, B-Will, Cho, Dukes Mayo, all got uh, I'll, I'll place in the money 24 and 13 for all of them. Uh, Duke's Mayo and our friend Ryan, uh, 23 and 14 against the spread. And, uh, so we will be distributing the winnings here shortly. I, I apologize. I got buried into work and I was so excited to watch the playoff game. And I'm like, Oh no, I forgot to like, I have to check to see who won. So congratulations to everybody. We had a lot of listeners that placed above the spread against, uh, against the spread in a bowl season, which is very difficult to do. And of course, I have to give a shout out to our friend Adam Chimeo, Quack Twelve podcast host, for finishing dead last, thirteen and twenty-four. I feel you, man. I feel you. It will all come back to you on the good side of the karma next year in Oregon's football season. So, uh, thanks everybody for joining, and we will of course do that next year. Rob, we have lots to talk about in the Pac-12. We have coaching changes. Looks like uh, Chip- many coaching changes. Yeah. Well, where do you want to start? Looks like Chip Kelly's being signed. There's a lot of a lot of changes all over the Pac-12. What, what what stood out to you is like the most important thing that finally popped up. Well, let's do the UCLA thing first, because like that one, you know, that one's kind of like the most interesting. I mean, it looked like it might be kind of an tenuous position for a while, right? I mean, when Arizona's coming in snagging yeah. position coaches steal your girlfriend <laughs> taking, Arizona yeah <laughs> yeah taking all the best recruiters off the staff um you know really over the last 2 years and then Ohio State you know uh i the, the move that it almost like it for for a second i thought oh man this could really this could really be it was the move where Ohio State hired UCLA's offensive line coach um, because Ryan day played for chip Kelly at New Hampshire. Like they know each other. <laughs> like, I mean, that almost looked like a kind of like, I need to place a guy and you have an opening and he'd be really good. 
like you should consider him type thing. Uh, but I then, you know, the the long awaited announcement that Azanaro would not be back as defensive coordinator came down. Um, and that kind of a move really, I think, makes it obvious that, or, you know, makes it more clear that Kelly's coming back. Now he will have to fill a lot of openings, um, you know, there uh, on, on his staff, um, you know, and I, I think it's really, but they, I mean, and they got good news too. Like Dorian Thompson Robinson's coming back. Um, they, but of course, like they got, I mean, Dil, I mean, they lost that, which I mean, I think makes some sense. Like Dylan Gabriel's not showing up anymore. <laughs> but somebody else might. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like for UCLA, like I mean, I, I mean, it, it is a little. In some ways, it's a little TBD on, you know, what the what the staff ends up looking like because they're going to have some openings that Kelly then has to fill. But we should expect him to get a, a contract extension now signed, and then. Um, you know, uh, moving on from Azanaro is a positive. I mean, losing Fry and some of their other coaches, I think, is is a negative. And I'm interested to see who Kelly's able to pull together. Um, it, I think a lot of it's going to depend on too what sort of um, what sort of contract he gets, right? Like, I mean, if, if we've because we've seen this in the past, if if it if a coach is if it, if it looks like a coach is a little bit of a lame duck, it can be harder for him to put a staff together. So, you know, you're going to want, if you're Kelly, like, I mean, you're going to want to have, you know, some decent years and buy out there so that you can go out and put together a good staff. Cause he's really got, I mean, really late in the game too, got to put together, you know, and fill a lot of spots. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fascinated to see what he's able to push together. It is possible that the coaching carousel is not finished. I, you know, there's been some reports of Jim Harbaugh looking back to, you know, getting back to the NFL. Um, and we just had Black Friday in the NFL where there's a lot of coaches that were fired. It just Lots seems of coaches. It does seem that it's really difficult for college coaches to figure it out in the NFL. And I'm okay with that. I kind of like the idea of college being a different game and the skill sets being different. But with that said, Harbaugh is he had he has shown that he can coach at both levels. So it'd be interesting to see. I think it would be really funny if he he finally gets to the playoff and then, then just bounces. You know, I'll see you later. <laughs> well, I mean, I think Harbaugh. I mean, everybody assumes because Ryan. I mean, I'm I I think this is true too. Like Ryan Day's next job, if he ever takes one, is the NFL. Right? He will get tired of the constant grind of college and go off to the NFL. Um, that said. I think it's more likely Harbaugh would go to the NFL this year because I think Day's got something really special cooking in Columbus. And if you look at the staff moves that he made, he made some really good moves and got to bring in guys that he wanted. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so I mean, I I, I I think but those I mean, those things, if that if that happened, I mean, if I mean, in a crazy, crazy world, if like Ohio State and Michigan were to be open. I mean, in a year where we've already had so, so many big jobs open, I mean, I don't know if anybody would get poached out of the Pac-12, but um, it would cert- you could certainly see more staff shake up as far as like position coaches and things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it'll be fascinating to see the direction that um, some of these teams head and if there's still more turmoil as we move into the offseason. What, what other coaching hires, changes, anything else pop up before we get into, I mean, it's just been a lot of transfer news, which is good. I think that well, except for one team, <laughs> but almost everybody yeah. else I think is, is actually doing a pretty good job here. 
Well, and USC finalized their staff. Yeah. Um, uh, which is a really good staff. I mean, they got Michigan's defensive line coach, um, which was a good grab. He, he was at, I think he started out at Arizona state when he got his first position coaching gig. Um, but you know, they got, uh, you know, Texas A&M's offensive line coach to come in. Um, you know, they kept Dante Williams on staff. I mean, a really good, I mean, a really good solid staff put together by Lincoln Riley. Um, you know, there and, and then Oregon announced the return of Tosh Lapoy. I mean, like, holy, I mean, if you look at, and we talked about this a little bit in the recruiting show, right? Like that we, the brief amount of recruiting that we covered, you know, Arizona took a little bit of advantage of, you know, you know, USC being, you know, all the coaching changes, but for the most part, what's been the real problem. I mean, and you look across like that national championship game, some of the best players on the field were from the West coast, yeah. right? Georgia. And I mean, and that's the thing of like Dante Williams being at a C Tosh Lapoy being at Oregon, um, you know, Washington just signed Shepard or just got Shepard. Who's a wide receiver coach from Purdue. Who's really good. Um, but Washington doesn't have a kind of heavy hitter recruiter like those two, but like having that kind of like recruiting heft in the conference and Riley's like Clay Helton staff was like Dante Williams and some guys like Lincoln Riley staff is a, a bunch of guys that can recruit. Um, and that's, that's all for the good. Cause like, it's going to be more likely that kids stay home in the pac 12. It's awesome. Like I'm really excited to see some of these players that, in the past would have gone to Ohio state or like even, even further down the picking order, right? Texas A&M, you know, your, your tier two sec teams, uh, your tier two big 10 teams, um, like Penn state, you know, those, I mean, I I would say I would consider Penn state a tier two, uh, team in that conference, right? Like Penn state is significantly better than most of the teams, the pac 12, but like, that's the point where you're seeing players go to these, these programs. You're like, ah, you should be CJ here. Stroud, Ohio State's quarterbacks from California. Ah, yeah, it drives me nuts. Drives I mean, me nuts. like, you know, like I, I mean, same with the the Heisman winner from Alabama, from California. Yeah. Um, he was a one-time USC commit. You know, and that's where I mean, that's like you gotta. I mean, the Pac-12 has to start. I mean, because there's there's a couple of areas that have really developed into football hotbeds out west beyond just. Southern California. So the Phoenix area produces a lot of high-end football. I mean, not a ton. It's not Georgia, but it produces a good amount of high-end football talent to the point that other national programs are coming in to recruit Phoenix. Um, Salt Lake, Ohio State just pulled a QB out of Salt Lake, you know, that was a one-time USC commit, right? Like there's, you know, the Utah is producing a lot of kids um, and Washington has to seal off, you know, like they lost you know, a five-star defensive line kid to Ohio state last year. Um, you know, like you got to start like the, the conference has to start winning those battles if they're going to get, if they're going to get better. Yeah. So good. I mean, it, it's funny. I, I listened to our friends, uh, George Reister and Ralph Amson, and they, they've been referring to Oregon as the, the show cause all-stars, which I thought was pretty funny. So, but you know, in the, in the age of NIL where you are actually able to start throwing money at players, let's, uh, let's go, let's go. I love it. Um, you know, speaking of, well, that tra- was the word, like oddly enough, like Wazoo got Cameron Ward, the incarnate word guy, partly because they signed his OC yep. to be their offensive coordinator. But they put together some like 
big name former Cougs put together a name, image, and likeness package for them. Nice. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Well, good. Good for them. And and you know that'll be fascinating too because I know that he was um, the the incarnate word quarterback is a fascinating story because the the initial offensive don't know no, the head coach of incarnate word didn't he go to um like western kentucky and basically brought almost everybody with him um isn't that the case like the initial offensive coordinator oh, yep. i'm thinking of houston yep. baptist right am, am i thinking yeah, houston of- baptist yeah and then he brought his offensive coordinator his top wide receiver and his quarterback and it worked <laughs> like if you didn't get a chance to watch um zappy and that, they used the quarterback at yeah. um at Western Kentucky, like they were a lot of fun. He set the record, right? I think he's like yeah. 68 touchdowns or something stupid like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, whether or not the quarterback there makes sense. But I mean, I think it was big enough where it drove Jaden Delora to go to Arizona. So you kind of saw some shuffling there as an Arizona alum. I was excited to see that. I've uh, watched a number of Coug. I mean, I watched basically almost every Washington State game, but was also able to watch it with a number of Washington State fans. And it was interesting because the, the reception for uh, Delora was mixed. I always thought that he was pretty good. I thought the offense worked with him. Um, I thought that he, you know, could be harebrained sometimes. I know that there were some academic issues for a little while, but at the end of the day, was he, when he was on the fields, Washington State moved the ball in games that were not called the Sun Bowl, Rob. Yeah, I mean, Washington State's offense was primary. I mean, was heavily pass defendant this last year too. You know, the, I mean, the run and shoot for them was really the shoot. Right. Like they were like, but they graded out at 36 on offense overall, and they were 17 in effective pass. I mean, and it, it, you know, Garantano, the Tennessee transfer, pretty quickly lost the job to Delora um, again. And, and Delora, he's, he doesn't have the greatest footwork, doesn't have the greatest mechanics. He makes throws though. Right. I mean, he's got, he's got some, I mean, he's not like Anthony Brown with downfield accuracy issues. <laughs> But he's not always pinpoint, but he puts it in the air. He absolutely trusts his arm, and he puts it in the area where his guys can catch the ball. And he does have he has a live arm. And if you're Arizona, you know, and you have an offensive line that can be a little shaky, I mean, he can move with his feet and, and buy you time. So, I mean, really good pickup for Arizona. I thought Ward for Washington State's, I mean, again, a really good pickup. You're bringing in somebody that is going to be plug and play, is going to know the terminology that your offensive coordinator is working off of. And so then you only have to get everybody else up to speed. That's a lot easier for them. So I totally get, even though you have Jane Delora, deciding you want to bring in, you know, this other star quarterback that was, and, and Ward, you know, visited old Miss. I mean, he was pretty highly sought after. Yeah, no, that was, uh, you know, anytime you can pick somebody off from Lane Kiffin and you're in Pullman, Washington, that is a big win. I think it's a big win for both programs. And I'm really excited to see what he's able to do in the Palouse. And then, you know, uh, on the other end, I'm excited that there's a, um, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but if, if um, McLeod is Arizona's backup quarterback, now you have two quarterbacks that have shown that they can move an offense, which was a major yep. issue for Arizona. And then you add the fact that Arizona has 
a, just a host of wide receiving talent. They got one of the best transfers out of the portal um, from uh, one of the group of five conferences. They um, have brought in a host of, of high talent throughout like the country. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You they got see- the number 11 player in the country, McMillan. Yeah. <laughs> they got a four-star tight end coming in and Burnett. And then Mejon Wright, who's been sitting, is a guy that every chance Jed Fish gets to talk about him is he does. Plus, the, like, I mean, that's not even counting Dorian Singer, who started to come out a little bit last year. You know, like, there's just, it could be, it's, and, and they just signed that guy, Rayshon Luke, who scored those two touchdowns <laughs> in the All American game. You know, like, they got another four star kid, you know, coming in. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's, Look, I mean, Arizona's still likely to not make a bowl, but they're suddenly really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's good for the conference to have teams like Washington State and Arizona start to kind of flex some muscles. Now, Washington State's been on another level than Arizona, so I want to be very clear oh, yeah. about that. But you know, teams that are in markets that aren't Los Angeles, like that, are just starting to to really. Um, make a name and just be a difficult out is kind of what I want to see. Um, if if you're a team like Arizona or Colorado or Oregon State, and some of the some of these teams are doing even better than that. Oregon State being really competitive is excellent. Washington State starting to make a, a push is excellent. So um, I'm really excited about uh, where those programs are going to be headed uh, along the quarterback front. Jack Plummer, the uh, kind of a starting quarterback for Purdue. Decided to transfer to Started Cal. at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so so you you followed Purdue more than I did. Um, obviously, we 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 had highlighted the problem at Cal, right? If Chase Garbers is gone, what do we have? And uh, and they went out and found somebody. What is Cal getting in Jack Plummer? I mean, he's all right. He lost the job at Purdue really early on in the season. They brought in O'Brien. He's got a bigger arm, uh, makes quicker, better decisions, more accurate. I mean, that was the, I mean, Plummer, it, it, it worked to a point. Um, and it's, I, I mean, look, he's not a bad, I mean, he's not bad. Right. But you're getting, you're getting, I mean, it's just, just like, it's just, it's disappointing that Cal's like Cal wasn't able to go out and potentially bring in somebody a little better. Um, you know, like, because Purdue's not like a gangbuster. I mean, they're a good offense, but they're not like some gangbusters <laughs> offense, right? Yeah. Um, and to lose out, you know, I mean, to like, and he's got now. Look, he's got a shot to 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 start over. You know, maybe Musgrave's offense is going to fit what he does better. But I mean, I, I mean, if you're, you don't want to be you you want to be bringing in guys like, I guess I'll put it this like you want to be bringing in guys that get beat out by some like outstanding, amazing talent. And I don't even know that O'Brien who ended up taking over at Purdue is that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's good for Cal. They definitely need some QB depth. Having some starting experience never hurts. Right. Um, but you know, like that, that offense, I mean, absolutely needs a spark because Musgrave's apparently coming back and they had nothing last year. Yeah, you know, if if you're a Cal fan, I do think it just look, it looks stat county. I'm I am not a uh, a Big Ten savant, <laughs> but if you just take a look at the numbers over the last couple of years, in this past year, 68 percent completion rate, seven yards per throw, seven touchdowns, zero picks. 2020, um, 71 percent completion rate, seven and a half yards per pass. So he's not he's not quite dinking and dunking. Eight touchdowns, two picks. So. I mean, you would hope that he would at least be a competent quarterback that can keep the ball out of the hands of the opposing team and, and at least 
be able to move the offense down the field. I am just worried when it look when I when I look at Cal um, about the offense and the tools that he has around him with Chris Brown leaving and just I mean there's just not a lot there and you know there's a little bit of tight end talent there's a couple names on the on the outside but I I think it's going to take more than a quarterback to change Cal's offense and to your point Rob you need like a transcendent quarterback, I think to change Cal's offense. And I just don't think plumbers that, um, but yeah. you know, like he could be competent. It's just, it, it just, it's going to take more than that for Cal to really start punching above its weight. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that's right. I mean, you want, you wanted like, I mean, you like if Delora went to Cal, you'd be like, Oh, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, cause he's the, he's the kind of guy that like you put him in a game and he's going to make some throws. Right. Um, I just worry about the, I don't know that plumber brings enough to the table to really sort of get them unstuck. Okay. I was also interested, you know, we're taking a look at, uh, quarterbacks. We had Jackson dart enter the transfer portal. We had news with Keaton Slovis. I think, I don't think we had mentioned he went to, he decided to go to Pitt. Before yeah, his far, girlfriend's at Pitt, so that makes sense. Oh, going the Max Brown route, yeah, Max Brown route there. Two two USC quarterbacks at Pitt. Um, Jackson Dart. I mean, I think that's. I think I mean clearly an interesting player. Um, the fact that he's hitting the portal leads me to believe that we're probably going to ca- get a Caleb Williams commitment. Is that is that a fair assessment? I mean, so he entered the portal the same weekend that Williams was out visiting USC, right? Um, and so given, of course, that Williams, you know, his history with Lincoln Riley and, um, you know, and, and of course it's USC, you know, you can absolutely, I mean, you know, you, the correlation is absolutely there, right? <laughs> like, um, you know, between between those two, it is just, you know, for Dart to, to leave, I mean, you know, it's not like Williams is, you, you'd have to put what, like 85, 90% that Williams ends up at USC, maybe more. Yeah. Um, but that said, like he still hasn't made a decision. He also visited UCLA when he was out there. I mean, darts like not waiting around. He's a talented kid. Um, you know, he's got a visit lined up, you know, visits lined up with Oklahoma and old miss. And then one other school that I forget. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, like in the worst case, like, I mean, USC is in a spot now where it's like, it's like Caleb Williams or bust. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they got to, I mean, with Dart entering the portal, they got to land him. I mean, you take Williams over Dart any day of the week. Um, you know, like Dart's in, Dart is intriguing with his skill set, but clearly has some, you know, a lot more polish to do. Um, Williams has, is already more polished than Dart and still has significant upside. Yeah. Now I hear you. Um, any other quarterback news? We have some other transfer stuff, but we have to take a break, but I want to stick in the, in the quarterback realm. Am I missing anybody? I don't think so. Yeah, I think we're good. I mean, I wish we could announce that like the Beavers had signed some like former four star or something like oh. that. So if Dart went to Oregon state, I'm all Whoa, in. buddy. I'm all oh, yeah. in. I was hoping the 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 uh, the incarnate word guy would go there, but uh, it made a lot more sense to follow his offensive coordinator. But you know, Dart, just keep keep an eye on that. Like it's again, it's a really really good landing place for a quarterback to to make a name for himself. And it, it is possible that that coaching staff thinks that Jebbia is the guy. 
but man, I got I like options. <laughs> you know, like I didn't think he was that good when we saw him. I, I I just I would really very much like to see one more guy go to Oregon State, but keep an eye on that. Um all right, let's take a break. We have a number of other players that have transferred in, transferred out, and then we're gonna do our Oregon State postmortem. So as we talk about the Beavs, um, you know, we, as we were doing this, we uh, realized that some of these, you know, because we're going backwards, a lot of these postmortems are really depressing. <laughs> but Oregon State isn't, and we're not we're not going backwards anymore. We decided to jump up and uh, give some sunshine and rainbows here. So we will be right back after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. Talking Transfer Portal. Just going through here, Rob, uh, I, let, let's talk about Colorado because yeah. holy Moses, uh, Jarek Broussard just entered the portal. Um, they've had a number of starting corners enter the transfer portal and it, and a lot of their wide receivers. So I, you know, I know Levante Chenault wasn't a big name, but he ends up uh, transferring to like Alabama state. Uh, Jerry Rice's kid, who is a four-star wide receiver transfers out of the program and I mean, th- this is a problem. Like, I am, I am legitimately worried about Colorado being a doormat next year uh, because you have a lot of the def- the defensive players that I had thought would at least keep them afloat. They're all yeah. gone. I mean, this is, and, and like, and you had mentioned this off air. I mean, they don't have a lot of spots to go into the portal and bring new people in because of the class that they signed. Yeah. So, I mean, it is true that there's, you know, four because of the COVID year, the additional COVID year and Colorado didn't have a big senior class. So they have a lot of guys on the roster, you know, with an additional year because of, you know, the 2020 not counting. Um, in addition, then they went out and signed what you would think of as like more like a normal sized high school class. They signed 20 guys. Um, that leaves them according to Brian Howell, the beat reporter, uh, I think for the Denver post, covering Colorado that leaves them with 83 scholarship. Pl- I mean, they just don't have space, like a lot of space right now to go out and sign guys from the portal. And he said, Oh, you know, I know you guys have been tracking, you know, players have been leaving Colorado still needs a few more players to leave before they could, you know, really have open spots in the portal, you know, or the portal. And that when you look at who they're losing, yeah, is pretty important. I mean, Rice is a, you know, four-star transfer likely going, I mean, like it looks like people think he's going to USC. Um, you know, Perry's going, I mean, they're they're those those two defensive backs. Gonzalez is going to Oregon. Perry is going to TCU. I mean, you're losing players that aren't, you know, you know, they're not going down to like the FCS level, you're losing players that are going to better programs. Yeah, they're going up. Yeah, Mickey Blackman yeah. was a, a Pac-12 All uh, Honorable Mention this year in the back uh, in the secondary as a corner. I mean, like it is, um, and I think that shows two things. The first is, you know, a lack of trust in the coaching staff, but you also saw it on the field. There, there's just yeah. that team 
should have been better. And the coaching staff wasn't able to use the players that they had to, in like worst case scenario, Colorado should have had a stout defense um, and a trash offense. And they, they did have an okay defense and they had a trash offense, but, uh, and I guess like the lack of offensive production also wears on the defense, but it just seems like the spiral there is not going in the right direction, which was such a bummer because I was excited about, I wasn't, ex- I take that back. I will never say I was excited about Carl Durrell, um, cause I was not, but right. I, I was intrigued by the fact that that team stayed together in a weird COVID year and, you know, as we're looking back at just the COVID year was an anomaly for Colorado, for Stanford, for a couple other programs. And the anomaly was that 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 will be their good year. And unless Colorado's influx of talent is amazing, um, unless the uh, a shroud is the, is actually a lot better. I mean, they could be the worst team in the Pac-12 next year. And, and that's a bummer. Yeah, it's uh, it is it's a bummer to see because I mean, like I'm not, you and I are both big advocates for look players, you know, like player rights, player, you know, players rights to move around players rights to make money off of, you know, make money for their work. (laughs) Um, you know, good old American capitalism. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, free and, and your freedom to go work as you will. But, you know, like you got to have, I mean, if you're Colorado and you're sitting near the bottom of the pack 12, you can't have guys sitting on scholarships that are non-productive. You can't, you can't have guys taking up space on your roster, you know, cause this COVID year, you gotta be, I mean, you gotta be more like Arizona, you know, like Arizona had a bunch of guys into the portal. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, it was, look, you know, the writing's on the wall. You're, you're probably not going to play, you know, so you need to make a decision, right. About what you want to do. And Colorado, it just feels like it's not only that, cause like the guys that are like, you want to see for a, a team, like you don't like, you never like the good, the good kind of attrition that you're going to have through the portal for any team is guys that are looking for playing time. Like Hunter Eccles at USC going to Arizona. Hunter Eccles has did not have a starting role. He had a sort of ancillary role at USC. He might play more at Arizona. He's looking for more playing time. USC's not really hurt beyond a little bit of experience depth with Eccles moving on, right? Like you're okay with that <laughs> kind of attrition. Um what you don't want to see is what you're seeing at Colorado, which is like starters leaving to go somewhere else because they don't buy in in the direction of the program. Um, and then talented young guys leaving to go somewhere else, like Rice. That's a really bad spot to find yourself in because at the moment, Colorado is a really big net loser on the portal. And it, they should be a team that has nothing but playing time to offer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, especially on the offensive side of the football, they should be out there being able to to really just offer, you know, really like really comp- like real competition for spots. And it doesn't even feel. I mean, you haven't heard Colorado really in the mix 
on anybody. Anybody. I I mean, nobody's like, you haven't heard of any QBs going. And look, there's still going to be more QBs to move. Like, this isn't the end of it. But here's the thing. And and, and we saw, I mean, some of it depends on the complexity of your offense and whether the quarterback might have some experience in that offense before, right? But if you're not there for spring, it's hard to win the job and really be ready with just fall camp. Yeah. You got if you need a new starting QB out of the portal or if you're expecting a freshman to come in, you probably want them in for spring ball in order to really be ready for FBS football come fall. It's, and it's it's getting late for that. Yeah. It is uh, it is not great uh, <laughs> what's going on there. You know, uh, another school that's been a little bit under the radar in terms of players leaving, and I get it, like this is more, I think, natural, but they are players that are interesting names. You have Sam Tiamani uh, leaving from Washington to go to Oregon. So I thought, I thought yeah. that was interesting. Jackson Sermon, who is a linebacker at Washington, goes over to Cal to play for his dad, who is also the linebacker's coach and defensive uh, coordinator. That's a good, those are good pickups for Oregon and good pickups for Cal. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious, you know, again, like I think the, the Balage. Uh, I'm sorry, DeBoer. I always keep the Kalen DeBoer hire. Um, it's going to take me a year. This is going to be my um, uh, my my Charlie Brewer, uh, you know. Charlie uh, and uh, <laughs> what was the – Connor. Connor yeah, Brewer, the <laughs> Texas transfer that then – like I think he played like five downs for Virginia or something <laughs> like that. He finished his career in Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah, give me a year, everybody. I'll get it down here. But the- Well, it's weird because like you know who else ended up in Virginia was um, – what was that kid that like decommitted from Arizona and went to Oregon? Burmeister. He was the starter at Virginia Tech. God, that offense sucked. <laughs> it's good, to, good times. Arizona dodged a bullet there. Um, although, like, they didn't have much to replace it with. But uh, all that, all that to say is that Kalen DeBoer. You know, we assumed that there was going to be some time, right? Like that. That's a long-term hire. Um, we don't see there. There could be a an improvement from Washington right away just because the bar was so low with Jimmy Lake. But in terms of the influx of talent, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but they are slowly bleeding a couple names and those names are going to, to good schools. Like you just mentioned, Rob. So I'm just curious to see what, uh, or if Washington is going to pound the portal a little bit more, obviously getting Michael Penix was, um, a big get for them. So that was, that was exciting. Um, just trying to to work through. They really have to be active in the portal though, too, because they had to let a kid out of his one of their four star wide receiver signings. Um, they ended up having to let him out of his letter of intent, and he signed with Michigan State. Oh, okay. And so, you know, if you look at who they've had with Bynum, you know, going off to SC, um. You know, and and some of I mean the other losses. I mean the the I mean the kid that went to BYU, the, the Nakua. Yeah. You know, like they. I don't think that their receiver room was extremely deep last year. Um, I think that they were more high on that Michigan transfer than anybody else was, and that wasn't our, like it. Like Nakua was a better get. Um, I'm just I'm interested to see like who they who they can potentially go get because they didn't sign a big class. They like call a little bit like Colorado. They've they've lost some guys that weren't starting, but they've also lost some guys that were and were or were in really intriguing talents. I totally um, forgot about that Michigan player. I mean, that's how bad that offense was. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, what did he do? And so then you kind of end up with uh, you know, they really I mean, you've got 
Penix coming in. That's a uh, that is a great ad. You know, and I I, I mean that. Like I, I think Michael Penix Jr. is really good, and I think he's going to be good with Tabor again. Um, and I think they'll be. I mean, they will be improved over where they were last year, almost regardless. Um, but they got it. I mean, they really do have to go out and get active now for them. The bright side is they got the QB. Now they just need to, you know, you can, you can bring in other guys later on and get them up to speed. They only have to know part of what's going on, you know, in college, like you don't have to know everything. (laughs) You can just know the route you're supposed to run on that play. Yeah. And, And I think like DeBoer has a track record of, of being able to scheme, well, yeah. So, yeah. The the thing I'm worried about though is that the talent at the wide receiver position is is similar to what you saw maybe at like a school like Arizona where the wide receivers just weren't open, and so you can scheme, but you know you got to get your guys in a position to catch that ball, and maybe you can't trust them to go one on one with the corner. So, uh, I'm I mean I I absolutely trust Kalen DeBoer more than I trust anybody on the offensive side right now at Arizona. So um, I've I've just just something to flag because I think it might take a few more years for Washington to get to where it needs to. Uh, but we'll keep yeah. an eye on the portal and see if they can bring some more folks in. But yeah, th- there was that was the other school where I just saw like productive players leave, and right. um, and we'll kind of see where where they end up. Um. I mean, Arizona picked up a couple more players from uh, from UCLA. Uh, there, so uh, Xavier Carlton, the defensive end for uh, Utah, ended up transferring to Cal. So some, Cal picked up a couple players that are intriguing on the defense, which I think is good. Yeah, and, and that defense, despite all the questions we had about Sermon, they ended up just fine. Yeah, yeah. UCLA got a wide receiver from Central Florida. And then, okay, one more, because uh, right when I saw this commitment, I just started laughing. Um, and I apologize. I'm going to, um, I think it's the Xavian uh, Val- Valaday, the wide receiver from, <laughs> from uh, Wyoming. No, no, running back from Wyoming. <laughs> so I immediately thought of you and Ralph Amstead. I'm like, the one, the one time, right? Like, are all the stars aligned for, for, for the two people I know from the state of Wyoming? Um, yeah. Is this guy good? It seems like it was He's a good, good pickup. Yeah, I mean he's he, I mean he's going to get you tough yards. I mean he's a real hard nosed runner. Um, oh, running back. I, I'm sorry, I said wide yeah. receiver. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean he's a re- like I said, like he's a real hard nosed runner. Um, you know, I think he's a good. I, I think he's a good get for ASU. But ASU, I mean, again, like they're a little bit of another team. Like I, they haven't lost a bunch of guys that you would look at and be like, oh my gosh, those guys are amazing. But like some of the guys that were some of their four-star signings that they signed a couple of years ago have moved on, right? And Devont, yeah. do you remember Devontae Trainum that they he was a running back that uh, a four-star that they got out of Ohio. Uh-huh. Um, he's transferred to Ohio State to play linebacker. You know, they lost a cornerback to Nebraska. Um, they lost a wide receiver to Florida State, Johnny Wilson. You know, I mean, it, look, it's not, it's not as if, I mean, and, and, um, they've got another guy in the portal, junior Alexander. It's not as if like, they've got some major, major exodus of talent, but like, I guess it's just, you know, for everything that Herm talked about, I mean, they signed a very small class Yeah. and Herm said like they were going to hit the portal. They were going to treat this like free agency. And when they finished the bowl game, he was going to go sit and watch tape and get ready in the portal. They haven't been making much noise. No, they've been losing players of the portal rather than bringing them in. I mean, and and the the running back is is it's nice to see them add talent, but 
I agree yeah. with you. Like, there's been two or three wide receivers that were blue chip guys that have left and really didn't produce with Jane. Yeah, Jane didn't play much. Yeah. yeah. Um, yikes. Well, oh, one one other interesting piece. So uh, remember we talked about the seven thousand blue chip running backs that Stanford had at the beginning of the year. <laughs> so, yeah, not anymore. Yeah, Austin Jones hit the portal. I'm curious about that because, I mean, they really had a lot of guys there that just could that were also interesting. So he picked up an offer from Washington state. I'm curious to see where he ends up. I think that'd be kind of fun because he, they just, there was a lot of room there and not as not enough guys to be able to, um, to share those, those uh, handoffs as, <laughs> as sad as they were this year for Stanford. So uh, keeping an eye out for that. Anything else from the transfer portal here? Well, you know, what's fascinating is Stanford actually picked up grad transfer. That ne- I mean, Stanford is like Stanford almost never takes because it's so hard to get into anybody, anybody in as a grad transfer or any transfers in period. And they took in Patrick Fields from Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Three star starter there, too. So it wasn't just, yeah. a, you know, a grad transfer that didn't play like somebody who was on the field yeah. for Oklahoma. Um, that's good. Right. Like small, small steps. You know, maybe Dabo will start dabbling in the portal too so you know think things things can change he needs a quarter he needs a freaking quarterback five star i know Ooh. five star five star i mean it's hard to just label someone as like a but i mean that was that offense was unwatchable yeah it was really brutal um okay well let's uh let's move on from the portal and let's get into our postmortem for oregon state which i think will be fascinating because uh, you know it's just a team that had a lot going for it and uh, has some interesting pieces moving forward and let's get to it right after this. All right, we're back. We're talking about a bowl team. A bowl team, Rob. Seven and six, seven and six. The Oregon State they got Beavers. over the hump. I mean, congrats. Yeah, yeah. They got over the hump with Chance Nolan. I think that's very important. <laughs> like, we should always say that. Um, you know, I, I, look, this, this staff is particularly on the offensive side. It's interesting and creative. And has taken a program that was just like so far gone and finally brought it to a place where there's a lot of momentum. I, I, I'm interested to see how big of a jump Oregon State can make after this, right? Because going from like bad to okay is, you know, is doable. Going from okay to good is more difficult. Going from good to great is very difficult. And I think that they're at the okay position right now. What did you think about Oregon State as you look back on this year? I mean, they're this. I mean, you really have to give Jonathan Smith a ton of credit because this offense finished at 16 overall in beta rank. Um, they were really good running the football. You know, Mahal checked their offensive line coach gets a ton of credit too. But they did all that with basically almost no threat to throw the football. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I mean, they ended up, I mean, the run game was so good that Nolan was able to be, let's call it effective. Nolan could occasionally punish you yeah. <laughs> for cheating on the run game because they ended up at 45 at effective pass. Um, and I think here's, so this is my, I, I'm willing to go out on a limb and this is like a really, like a really sturdy limb to go out on. Jonathan Smith is going to cobble together a decent to good offense out of whatever spare parts he has on hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> like, I think, I mean, I think you look at what he's got. And I'm just like, where did you even find these guys? Like, <laughs> this time. 
that's like Nathan Eldridge was medically retired from Arizona and he goes to Oregon <laughs> State. And he's 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 like a Pac twelve honorable mention, you know? <laughs> like um I just because I, I think you have to treat the offense and the special teams, which are also pretty good, differently than the defense. Because I think if you look at that, my real question with Jonathan Smith is, dude, when are you going to get better players in there? You know, like you're in, they're in year four now with Smith. Yeah, is that right? I think so. It's getting up there. Yeah. And at this point, I just, I'm really frustrated. I say this is like a genuine Jonathan Smith fan. Like I, I'm a believer. I like what he's done. Like the, how, how far he has taken them from how low they were with Gary Anderson is amazing to be where he's at, where he's, it's basically, he still doesn't have a QB, right? Well, they, and, he, I, I think so. I mean, one of the things we've been talking about is can they figure out who to get out of the transfer portal? And they haven't gotten anybody yet. And I like, so putting myself in his shoes, it is possible that they think that Tristan Jebbia can make the leap. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. We're like, he was better than I thought he was going to be in a COVID year. Um, But I, I need a little bit more convincing, but they see him and like, I mean, I trust the offensive staff. Um, Another positive on the quarterback front is chance. Nolan was a disaster last year. And like full credit to him, 62% completion rate, 19 touchdowns, 10 picks. That is for him. That's an excellent year. Um, I don't yeah. know if he'll get any better than that, but like, you know, I, I just, I want to give him props because we kind of dumped all over him last year and, and rightly so some of those games were, he was just lost and whether it was scheme and I, I, I'm assuming it is both scheme and Nolan actually improving as a player um yeah it was good to see it was good but but to your point yeah i'm sorry i interrupted you but i just didn't want to like just kind of you kind of feel like at this point like he should have a bun in the oven right like there should be somebody that he's recruited in and he's a guy that can coach quarterbacks and get you know get something out of them and he can definitely i mean he runs I, I mean, I, I don't think you can argue. I, I think he runs one of the most interesting offensive schemes in the Pac-12, if not college football, and he schemes to his guys really well. Yes. Um, offensively. And, like, you got, I mean, you know, look, I mean, I think Ben, you know, Gulbrinson, am I saying that right? Um, you know, is maybe a guy that they find intriguing, Um you know, that maybe they think they can get something out of this year. Um, you know, I mean, they brought in two freshman quarterbacks last year, um, you know, or maybe it was like 2019. Anyway, two guys that were freshmen this year, you know, on the depth chart. You know, I really think, you know, maybe it is. I mean, maybe, you know, like maybe they're able to kind of put it together. But I mean, it is just, it's frustrating to be at this point and to have, you know, a, a guy that you feel like has been trying to build something and he just, he, the quarterback is such like, I guess it's just, it feels unusual for a guy who's at least been there three or four years to not have somebody he's brought in to try to develop, you know, 
where they'd be like taken over, right? Where you'd be like, all right, like we've got there, you know, this was clearly the next person in line. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to, to your point also, I really think that what Angie, uh, I think it's Marchado, we've had her on the show before, um, yeah. does, she's a 247 writer for Oregon State, and she's good. And like oftentimes she will, before the beginning of the year, highlight a couple players. And look, I will, I will gladly forgive and grant them uh the, the little five six guy that you know everybody at Oregon State's like this guy's the best player ever like he is a fun player I I respect everything about him he's like 135 pounds a champ uh champ uh, Fleming and you know everybody in Oregon State's like this is this guy's gonna be the guy like, ah, well let's let's calm down a little bit he's he is a fun story but he is not he is not the the, the savior um outside of that I think that 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 team that she has has always been able to identify players like they were on BJ Baylor early. Um, they've yeah. been on a number of these players early. Um, and I haven't heard the same enthusiasm about the upcoming quarterbacks. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, I just to kind of emphasize, I mean, like Gilbertson got some play against Arizona state. He got to get like, that's why I, I mean, I, I talked about him as he got, he at least got some late game action, but like Nolan's clearly not your guy. I, at least I don't think so. I don't think he's going to like take big step forward <laughs> or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe it is Jebbia, you know, like finally putting it together. He's got some talent, right? Um, but it, it certainly does feel like, I mean, if we were talking about Delora instead of going to Arizona, going to Oregon State, you'd be like, I mean, again, you'd be like, hell yes, right? Like, Delora and Jonathan Smith together would be fun. Yes. Um, and like, that's, it's like, you'd like to see him be able to go out and maybe get somebody that is a little bit established, right. That, that wants to show like that maybe it didn't work where they were and wants to showcase what they can do. Yeah. Um, so that's one half, right? Like, and I, I think we're kind of on the set. Like, I think the offense is going to be fine. I think if they got a run chance Nolan out there again, they'll be fine. <laughs> Well, so here's here before we go to the defense. Here's one theory, and I've I've floated this a couple times more in passing as we've been talking about these games. But I know, like BJ Baylor, great year, thirteen hundred yards, thirteen touchdowns, six yards per carry. Like I watched, I watched almost every Oregon State game. With that said, me watching almost every Oregon State game, it seemed like Oregon State's running game, which was quite productive, really hit a wall when it came against good defenses. Um, is that yeah. a fair, you know, and like a lot of, a lot of teams are like that, but I think it was more pronounced with Oregon state because they were so good against bad teams. And when you like Utah state's a perfect example, like not a great defense, but a decent defense. And like, they couldn't move the ball on the ground. And no, that didn't I, surprise I think, me. The, I think the, the one, well, I mean, let's call, I mean, like the, the two games they had that were pretty good was Utah Utah had a decent defense this year. Yeah. And they they still had a real good game against them um offensively. And then that Arizona State game, they were pretty good too offensively. I mean, Bay like they weren't great, right? They did enough in what was a relatively low possession game to get that done. Um but yeah, I mean they definitely did run up some points against some lesser defenses. Uh and then they got you know, Washington State had a def- decent defense. Washington State got them pretty good. Cal also got them pretty good. Oregon it did not have a great defense, but still managed to slow them down enough. 
<laughs> you know, but that's like, I mean, that, like that is the limitation. I mean, there, there's a difference. Like, and, I, and when I say like, they've got to like, there's an enormous difference. And I try to like the, the illusion of like a ranking gives the illusion of like a, like a stepwise linear progression, right? Like yeah. number, number one and number two are the same distance apart as like 15 and 16. That is a hundred percent not the case. Like, so if I say like Oregon state in beta rank is the number 16 offense this year, they are about 70% as effective as the number one offense, right? Like yeah. there's a pretty good fall off from like Ohio state to Oregon state. And they're one dimensional enough, right. That like against good defenses, they're going to, they could potentially run into trouble, but they're also can easily overpower, you know, like any average, you know, most average defenses, you know, that they're going to run up against. Um, I think, that, I mean, I, that's what that, like, I don't think they're going to get past that until they recruit some, until they get some, frankly, too, some better wide receivers and some better quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, cause like you can scheme, you don't have to respect them too much throwing the football, right? It's only because they've been so good at running the football and blocking and scheming that, that you're, that they're getting anywhere with it. Um, and that's what's sort of like, um, that's what I think is sort of frustrating about it is that like, you just kind of feel like you just wish, and, and look, Corvallis is a really tough place to recruit to, you know, but like when, I mean, and it was Dennis Erickson. So let's like, I mean, Dennis Erickson, <laughs> clearly a slick salesman, right? <laughs> I mean, he got Hushmanzada, uh, you know, and Chad Johnson, you know, to come to Oregon State. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's two first round talents to come play for you. Um, you know, I'm not expecting Jonathan Smith to be able to go out necessarily and do something like that from the transfer portal, pull in like five star guys, you know, but you know, at the same time, like some of those guys that are, you know, we're seeing and, and again, like Oregon state signed a really small class this year. They don't have a lot of roster spots available. Hmm. Um, you know, they signed a small high school class this season because, and, and I kind of wonder like how big is their graduating class going to be next year? Right. Like they could potentially like, if they're not trying to manage guys and I, I mean, I know that sounds terrible, but if you're not trying to manage guys effectively, they could end up with like a really, really big class next year, senior class, and then they could be hurting on roster spots. So, I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to, I mean, I, I would love it if Oregon state got, a wide receiver and at least one wide receiver and a QB out of the portal still. Well here and to your point on the roster spot. So in the last couple of years, two, four, six, they've brought in 15 transfers around roundabouts. Like it might be off one or two, but like between 12 and 15 transfers more so than almost any other team in the pac 12. I mean, they really did try to hit the portal. The thing that's interesting yeah, yeah. to me is that, some of the areas that they've really tried to hit are the wide receiver position, right? They had uh Mikey, a tongue, the four-star player out of Georgia. They had, yeah, that's true. I'm not giving them enough credit. They haven't, they haven't worked out. Yeah. But. That, yeah, that was my point, right? Trayshawn Har uh, Harrison was a four-star player. Trey Lowe, four-star player. These are all wide receivers. And in between that, and then if you flip it around to the defense, a yeah. lot, a lot they, of, they need a lot of players there. Yeah. And they've, they've tried to pull them in, but they haven't 
you just haven't seen the transfers work out as well as you want. I mean, Jebbia was a transfer. He's he's one player that has popped up a little bit. Um, like, I don't get this. Like, and here's an example. Like, I don't get it. Like, why the hell did you give Sam Neuer a transfer spot? I, I you know, I think it's because <laughs> Jebbia was hurt. But yeah, I mean, I like, mean, can you you don't have like they have three guys on the roster that are freshmen or or redshirt freshmen. Yeah. One of them couldn't do better than Neuer. Yeah, that that's a good point. But I mean, it's that it's that level of like, guys, what are you doing giving a scholarship spot to that guy? Yeah, because like, like I mean, like we saw. I mean, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but like we certainly saw Neuer at Colorado and knew his limitations, right? I, I mean, but like their their main problem. Because like like we just talked about like they're going to be fine offensively like they they if they want to improve they have some work to do but they'll be fine. That defense mm. was at ninety four in beta rank. Oh, I and mean, there's a reason Tim Tibisar got fired finally. I mean they were bad, but I mean this move promoting Trent Bray just internally just was uh, it was just a shocking move to me i'll admit it like i was shocked shocked and appalled <laughs> yeah i'm i'm with you right like that's the biggest area where like they couldn't put together and, and like the cool thing with corvallis is sometimes you have to lean into your tour you're at right it's a quiet area i mean like tibisar was on that staff for three years it's not like you're in the spotlight and if you do moderately okay you're gonna you're gonna get noticed, um, so I, I think that there I think there's coaches out there that are like you know what that that actually that kind of and your offense is good right so if your defense is like remotely good now you're popping up to nine nine wins in a horrendously bad Pac-12 of late yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean like if Oregon State had any semblance of a defense the past couple of years they're like maybe a ten win team. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, I mean, it's so frustrating because, and I say this because like there's, a, and you, you've seen the hires, right? Like, you know, um, you're going to see some of them in the Pac-12 this next year. Like the Mountain West has had some really good defenses. It's not as if there's not like a bunch of pretty good defensive coordinators running around out West. I mean, John Rodzinski, the Air Force defensive coordinator, got hired to be the DC at Virginia today. And you have these guys that are really outperforming, you know, the, the group of five level was what they've been putting together, you know, in the Mountain West. They certainly know the recruiting terrain. They're often recruiting guys, you know, with Oregon State, you know. they. I mean, they're, you're, you're, they're, they're going to know, your, your, you know, who you're going after already anyway. And they, they needed a change. I mean, they need, I mean, like, they're, I just don't buy and... You know, maybe you can talk yourself. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can talk yourself into Bray as like the guy. He's going to turn this around. He's certainly been. He's been with. Um, I mean, he's an he's an Oregon State alum. You know, he's he's been with you know Smith for a while. I just I just don't. I don't know. I'm really. I'm like. I'm. I'm. I'm I, like. They needed to go out and bring in some new, some new ideas. Bring in a fresh play caller. You know, even if you keep the staff intact. Um, I was just shocked. I was shocked to see this. Right. Like we saw. You know, like this year we went to that Ohio State game, and we saw Terry Combs just utterly waste a tremendous amount of talent. And it's not like, <laughs> yeah, Oregon State doesn't have that kind of talent. 
But Ohio State pivoted right after that Tulsa game and said, no more of this crap. Um, and so they got in, you know, they basically promoted internally as a stopgap, knowing they needed another defensive coordinator. They needed to do something to stop the bleeding. And then they went out and made the move, right? Yeah, they didn't yeah, just and then they went out the and made the move, right? <laughs> but like, you can make that kind of move and have a stopgap. Like, I just don't, I find it hard to believe that like the guy that's going to turn around this defense was sitting on the staff the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. Particularly, I mean, like, I think sometimes we can be more negative because we grade teams on a curve. If, yeah. And like Ohio or Ohio State, Oregon State did better than I thought. I thought they would go 500. And they almost did, but they they were clearly a better team than I had anticipated coming to this year with Chance Nolan as their freaking quarterback. Um, yeah, yeah. And with a bad defense, and they were still able to win seven win, uh, you know, win seven times. So it's more all right you can do this. Let's go. Like, let's, let's figure out how we can make that next level because I don't know how long they're going to have Smith as their coach. Like, right. I mean, if you're able to do this two years in a row, somebody's going to try to eye, eye your coach. So bring in somebody that, that can maybe be, you know, have to take over. Like, you know, you want, you want to be able to take advantage of these moments when you're a school like Oregon state and make the most of them. And right. Man, I just, I was super, yeah, I was bummed too, because I was looking around going like, all right, who are they going to pick? Who are they going to pick? And then it was just just kind of a blah. I mean, they could have got the guy that Washington State got. I mean, they could have gone out and got, you know, a really good Mountain West defensive coordinator and they didn't. And I mean, like I say this, like, I, I think I probably come off more negative on it because I'm disappointed. Like I don't, you don't end up rooting for teams so much as you root for stories. And like Jonathan Smith is a good story. (laughs) He is right. Like, and I mean, the job he's done has made that a good story, right? Like that total rebuild from where they were. I mean, I think it really showcases what a good coach can do when you let them, you know, when, when you put the right person in charge. Um, but it's also frustrating because you can see like the offense is going to be pretty good you don't have to, they, they just have to be not as God awful as they've been defensively. And you're suddenly cooking um, and you're going to be better than Cal and, you know, up there and maybe better than Washington state. And, you know, you know, like you could be this, you know, third team in the North, maybe get lucky, be the second team in the North. That's a great thing for Oregon state. Like you want to, ca- like you said, like you got to capitalize here because I don't know. I mean, I just I hate to see Jonathan Smith not not sort of hit what his potential could be too, right? Like, and I'm rooting for the Pac-12 to actually be good. Like, I <laughs> more than anything, well, more than anything, this season was so frustrating because like it felt so good after Oregon went to Ohio State and won, and then like the like a couple more games got played. And you're like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> right? Like, oh no, none of this is true. We don't have anybody near playoff caliber football again right and you're like i just i'm tired of the national narrative about the pac-12 you know and you know like the pac-12 has a good coach in jonathan smith at a program that's really hard to win at and if he makes the right decision here the conference is going to be stronger and look better yeah and if you're oregon state you've seen this before right like when riley was there i don't think any oregon state fan is like we deserve a playoff team I think right. Oregon State fans are like, give us a good coach that can recruit well enough and develop that talent so that we win nine games and maybe one year 
we hit 10 and we go to the Fiesta Bowl or, you know, like whatever. If um, you're an Oregon State fan and you are 500 three out of four years and one year you win nine games. Like you're, I mean, when I say like 500 or better, so like you can go be below 500 one year out of four, and go to be like six and six or seven and six and go or seven and five and go to a bowl two years and then one year win eight or nine games. Beaver fans are pleased. Yeah. And and the, the thing with, with Smith is he's a talented enough coach that if you're a 500 team, he's going to get you that sixth or seventh win, right? Like yeah. if, if, and if he has the defense, it makes it a lot easier to go seven and five versus, you know, five and seven. And we saw a lot of five and seven in the first couple of years, but you saw, you kind of like saw the the plant growing. It's like, oh, there it is. It's like it's shooting up and it's, um, so now just, now you just kind of need it. You need that, that extra boost to get to that next level. So, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's possible that it's possible that hiring internally was a good thing, but it kind of just reminds me of, uh, Jimmy Lake, when he's like, you know, he looks over at the defensive coordinator he hired from within. He said the the guy we needed was right in front of us the whole time. I'm like, was it <laughs> like, are you sure about that? Cause I feel like you're, you have a chance to really make something of, of this position. Um, yeah. All that said though, like seven and six. Good year. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, if Jebbia, Jebbia, if, if he was better than we saw, uh, Chance Nolan B. So, and I think Baylor is going pro if I'm not mistaken. So they're going to have to, I have to d- double check that, you know, if you're a Beaver fan, like, let me know if I got that wrong. But, um, but if Baylor leaves, right, they're going to need to refill. Um, and I did, the scheme will be there and the quarterback will be better. So I think a lot will depend on the, the defense. Like if they, if they end up in the sixties, like, can Oregon state win eight games? Like, I think that's, that's reasonable, right? Yeah. Cause I, I mean, look, I, I mean, I think Oregon has a shot to be better defensively. I think they might take a little bit of a step back on offense from, I think people underrate the job that Moorhead did last season. Um, partly because there's Anthony Brown was so frustrating, uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, Washington, I think I don't know. I don't expect Washington to be. I mean, they might be a top twenty-five team in the model again, but I don't expect them to be like a top fifteen or a top ten team. Um, you know, and Washington. I mean, Washington State might be your sort of dark horse sitting there. I think they could cook next season, given the defense. Another year with the defense, and then with Ward coming in. But yeah, I mean, Oregon State. You absolutely should be able to Stanford. I think is going to be bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, I think UCLA might take a little bit of a step back, even though, you know, you like the defense, the defense to get a little better. I mean, the coaching staff, the, the massive amount of coaching staff turnover is a concern. Um, and I think they're going to, I mean, or I think Arizona state will still be on their schedule and you'd like him to beat Arizona state again. And they did manage to beat Utah last year. So, yeah. Yeah, and like same like they kept that Oregon game close. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like it was interesting because I was looking at their schedule, going, they there was a chance that they could have won eight games or nine games, but they could also yeah. dropped. You know, the, there was a couple other games where it's it, it was close, but um, but the potential is there, and that's really exciting. And they make the North and the, and the whole conference more competitive. And I love. I mean, they or- got they got two tough ish Mountain West games to start out the season. 
Who do they Boise got? State and Fresno State. Woo. I mean, if you're Oregon State, like this sounds weird, but like you got to win those. Yeah. Like, cause you can't be going, you can't have Boise State and Fresno State running their mouth on the recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like the last thing for them is they always have one of those games where they're going to win in Corvallis and they shouldn't. And it's cold and the fans are excited and the team is fired up yeah. and they're well coached. Like they have one of those games at least every year. So that gets them over that hump. And, um, and I think that could be the difference between seven games and eight games or five games and six games. I, I just, I think there's a lot going for this program and I just want them to do everything they can to take full advantage while, while it's there. So, um, well, who, who should we, who should we dive into next week, Rob? Oh, uh, let's do, man, Oregon State. Like I, we, we picked Oregon State cause it would be fun. And then we were just like hypercritical of like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of. That's what I mean, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like Beaver fans, we, we, we kid because we love like genuinely like Oregon state is such a good story. Like I, I genuinely want Jonathan Smith to be successful. The fact that like he could get the program, you know, to where it's at is a really remarkable like success story. Um, and now I want him to take the next step just, just once. Um, you want to do Wazoo? Like we should, we should know enough about. They've got their staff put together. They've got the quarterback in. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. That'll be fun. All right, so stick around. We'll do our Washington State postmortem next week. There will be lots more news in the transfer portal, um, and I'll, I'll start looking through things that that we can work through. Maybe returning starters or just keeping an eye on um, where teams are in terms of their rosters and stuff. Um, I'm also trying to figure out a way where we can, um, share easily the, uh, with, with some of our friends, the rosters, right. With all the different changes. I know there's like a number of our friends that are like tracking this stuff. And so, um, anyway, lots of interesting things coming in the future. Stay tuned and we will catch everybody next week.